Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Taking me back. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. You know, in this set of scriptures we'll be reading here, Paul is giving us insight, this is important for where we're going, to God's activity and involvement in two areas, in our salvation, but also in the circumstances, all circumstances, good and bad, in our lives. God's activity in our salvation and our circumstances, good and bad, in our life. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 28, reading through verse 30, Paul says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Justification is a judicial term. That means you've been declared righteous based upon what Christ has done for you. Those he justified, he also glorified. What an amazing set of scriptures, so rich in theological meaning. Have you ever been in a place in your life where, where you really believe something to be true? Like you really thought you were right on an area or a matter and, and you acted on it to later find out that you were, you were off, that what you believed was incorrect. I was thinking about, about 10 years ago, me and my wife, we moved here and we became part of Healing Place Church. We were at a different campus at the time. And this was a newer campus. There was maybe 200 people coming at the time. And it was just me and one other person on staff as far as full-time staff. And I had an opportunity every single day to, to work with the lady who was just volunteering full-time. And her name was Miss Shirley. And Miss Shirley it was, is one of the greatest people ever, just uh, so much fun, man, love Jesus, love the church, love healing place. And, and Miss Shirley, she was just faithful, faithful, faithful. And, and she called me Brother David. You know what I'm talking about? Brother David. I think we should start calling Pastor Johnny, Pastor Brother Johnny. I like that. You can get a certain age, you brother then. She was calling me Brother David when I was 25 years old. Oh, Brother David. That's how she talked. Brother David. And, and I remember one day, I, I text Miss Shirley, and this was when text messaging and the iPhone uh, was just really blowing up, and just this whole concept of abbreviating certain words to be able to send, like, IDK, I don't know. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Um, and so I texted her. I said, hey, Miss Shirley, I'm not feeling well today. I'm not going to make it into the office, but I hope to be back tomorrow. And Miss Shirley sent me back a text, and she said, LOL, I'm praying for you and believing that God is going to move on your behalf. Now, LOL means what? Okay, good. You guys are smart. Laugh out loud. And so I read this. I'm like, Shirley, why, why is she sending me LOL? That's weird. She thinks my, my sickness is, is humorous to her. It's funny. So the next day I see her, I'm like, Miss Shirley, you sent me a text yesterday. She's like, yes, Brother David, I sent you a text. I said, you said LOL. She's like, I know, Brother David. I said, Miss Shirley, do you know what LOL means? She said, yes, Brother David. It means lots of love. 
I said, everybody say, bless her heart. <laughs> I said, Miss Shirley, it don't mean lots of love. It means laugh out loud. And this is what makes this story even so much greater. Because Miss Shirley was over all of our pastoral care needs. So for literally months, people were sending in messages and emails and texts and saying, hey, pray for my husband this week. He's having a knee replacement. And Shirley was sending all of them, LOL. God is good. He's going to see you through. LOL. You know, it's one thing to misunderstand a text abbreviation or other small items in life, but it's a whole other ballgame when we misunderstand and, and see God through a lens of which is not accurate depiction of who he is by character and by nature. We cannot afford to get this wrong. That's why proper doctrine and theology is essential for the believer. And particularly God's character and nature when it comes to storms in your life, seasons of hardship and pain, seasons where you didn't see it coming, but it came anyway. When you're walking through Valleys, when you're not just on the mountaintop, but you're facing things that are difficult. Has anybody in here ever faced something difficult in your life? And I love this series more than conquerors. I love that it's taken out of Romans chapter 8, verse 37. But sometimes if we're not careful, please hear me today, we'll have this imagination in our mind that I'm more than a conqueror when everything is going well in my life. When I'm healthy, I'm more than a conqueror. Well, my marriage is better than ever. I'm more than a conqueror. When my kids, Lord, help us, are serving Jesus, I'm more than a conqueror. When I have the job I want, I'm more than a conqueror. When I'm making a certain amount of money, I'm more than a conqueror. But that's not what Paul's talking about. Being more than a conqueror doesn't have to do with the external circumstances of our life. Being more than a conqueror has everything to do with what Jesus is doing on the inside of our life. That's good preaching. That's accurate. That's biblical. And, and, and this is what we know. All of us in here, there's a common thread that exists between every single one of us in here, whether you sit on the floor or you sit in the raised seat, is that all of us, regardless of your ethnicity, your age, uh, what, how much money you make or don't make, everybody in here, if you're married or you're single, everybody in here will walk through seasons of pain, seasons of struggle, there's teenagers in here who are walking through a season of struggle. There's a single mom in here who's walking through a season of struggle. There's a marriage in here who's walking through a season of struggle. And how we see God in those seasons is imperative for how we will follow him. Imperative. And, and I've been, I've had the opportunity to, to be a part of a small group for three years now of a group of guys. And man, I love this group. Uh, some of my closest friends. And we've been meeting for three years and I remember the first time we met, and it, and it was kind of awkward because we kind of didn't know each other super well, but I invited these guys to come, and we're just going to talk about life and what God is doing, and, and we sit down, and it's not like a Bible study, but it's instead kind of, hey, let's talk about what God is doing in our life. So I sit down, and I ask the first person, the first guy there, I said, hey, man, tell me, what's God doing in your life? Can, can we pray about anything? Are you going through anything? And, and you ladies will appreciate this because this is oftentimes our response as men. And, and the guy, first guy just says, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. The next guy. Okay, great. Next guy. Hey, anything we could pray with you about? Are you, are you cool? Are your marriage good? Anything? 
Yeah, I'm good too, ditto, right? Just same with him, same with him. We go around the whole circle. Everybody's good. <laughs> Everybody's good. We might as well be in heaven, we so good. <laughs> you know what happened though? A month after meeting together consistently, one person started sharing, hey, things aren't as good as I'm acting like. I'm facing this. And you know what happened? It was like a domino effect. And then the other person, yeah, you know what? I'm facing this too. The other person, the same thing. Myself, same thing. All of us facing pain. If there's one thing I've extracted from that group is this. None of us get a pass with going, with missing out on the painful things of life. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. All of us face it. And the enemy, y'all know there's an enemy, right? Some of y'all are like, I don't know. There's an enemy, and, and he wants to deceive you, and he wants to mislead you and misguide you when it comes to your perspective of God when you're going through pain. He's not just about trying to get people not to believe in God, but once you believe in God, how you see him, the enemy wants to cause scales to fall over our eyes. And I want to be so pointed in what I'm about to say here. It's imperative for us that we do not come up with our own assumption and our own explanation of who God is based upon our circumstances, our feelings, our emotions, or our flesh. Because those things, they might identify where I am, but it's not necessarily an indicator of who God is. And the only way, I want this clear as can be, only way that we're gonna know God is if we read his word and discover who he is. I can tell you about God. And that's fantastic. That's great. I'm thankful for preaching and teaching and all that. Small groups, all those things. But something happens when you discover who God is by reading the word yourself. And the spirit of God will illuminate things in your life. And you'll see him clearly. Because the enemy wants you to believe fallacies about who God is, particularly when you're going through tough times. There's a guy in the church that he's here this morning. His name's Rusty Domain. And, and I love Rusty Domain. Rusty is a wild man. Anybody know Rusty? Okay, how many know he's crazy? He's crazy. Rusty's crazy, and he just he loves God. He's been in ministry for 30-plus years and done so many great things as a missionary, and I love him and his wife, Denise, and the whole family. But Rusty, he, he has this thing he says, and, and it will startle you if you hear him. I'm not encouraging to say this out loud in public, but Rusty does this thing. Like if something he doesn't like happens, like anything, like his, his flight's delayed, he just yells out, the devil's a liar. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> The devil's a liar. His, his order of his food is incorrect. The devil's a liar. He's sick. Guess what? The devil's a liar. <laughs> Y'all are smart. The devil's a liar. And when I go through, I'm going to go through three fallacies. I want you to understand these are three lies that the enemy will tell you. And when these thoughts come to your mind, you recognize the devil is a liar. I'm not going to see God incorrectly. I'm gonna see him the way that Bible tells us and teaches us. So the first thing is this, it'll be quick. First thing is that when you're going through difficult seasons, first thing that you will naturally think of the enemy will implant in your mind is this, is that God is indignant, that he is angry with you, that he is punishing you, that he's after you, that you messed up, so he's gonna mess you up. And if you have this perspective, and if I have this perspective and lens by which we see God, when disaster and calamity and hardship hit, we will run the opposite direction of God because we don't run towards angry. No one does. But this is a fallacy. This is not true. God loves you with an everlasting love. 
And I think one of the most powerful things, and sometimes for us guys, it's a little weird. He loves me so much. It sounds a little strange. But when you have a revelation of how much God loves you, you will see him completely different. You won't hold on to things. You won't walk in bondage. You won't walk with your head down because you know that you are loved by a heavenly father who his love has no bounds, has no measurements. It is infinite. And God loves you. And be careful. Be careful as Christians that when we see somebody suffering and going through things that we ourselves don't think, well, I know why they're going through that. Come on, I'm preaching now. I'm getting quiet. Oh, oh, oh I, I know why that's happened to them. And we start casting judgment upon people. Remember years ago, my mom and dad, they were in a lawsuit situation with, with my dad's job. And, and this person had filed a lawsuit, and it was a terrible season. It was over a year and a half of this lawsuit hanging over their head. And they got this nasty email, not from an unbeliever, but from a believer, who said, you're going through what you're going through because God's not pleased with you. The devil's a liar. But if they weren't grounded and rooted in their faith, that could have taken them off course because a fallacy was told about the God that they serve. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, I am a son. I'm a daughter. My life might not be perfect. But man, God is doing a work inside of me. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. When you're going through tough times and lies and fallacies that will come to your mind, the enemy will bring. First thing is that God is indignant. It's a lie. Second thing is this, is that God is indifferent, that he doesn't care, that he, he's, he's, he's disconnected from you, that he, he just lets you go and, hey, good luck today, David. I hope you, hope you do well. See you tomorrow. And he just is, disconnects and separates himself, particularly when you walk through pain. I tell you, the Bible teaches the exact opposite. One of the most famous chapters in all the Bible is Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, verse 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He's with you. And when you go through the valley, I promise you, there is no time that God wants to be closer with you than ever before. And he will draw close to you. But if you think that God is indifferent, then you will mistake pain for the absence of his presence. His presence is with you. Psalm 34, verse 18, this is from the word. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. God is not indifferent. He is right there in the midst with you, regardless of what you're facing. He does not run away when you fall into trouble. He doesn't separate himself when you fall into things that you never intended to fall into before. The final thing is this, is that God is incapable this is a joke, <laughs> that God lacks the power to do something, that he's just, he doesn't have the power to intervene and he, he, he doesn't know what to do. And, and this is a fallacy as well. We serve an all-powerful God. There's nothing too difficult for him. Jeremiah says, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? These are fallacies that we gotta be careful that we do not believe about God when things happen in our life. So what is God doing? What is happening? Well, I don't believe he's indignant. I don't believe he's angry with you. I don't believe he's indifferent and he's separated from you. And I don't believe he's incapable and that he's unable to do anything about it. I believe that God is intentional in all seasons of your life. He's, he, he is intentional in all seasons, in good seasons, in bad seasons, in seasons of success, 
in seasons of failure, in seasons when, when you're living perfectly to God or as close as perfect as can be or seasons when you're messing up, God is intentional in every single season. And Paul writes, and we'll just take the remainder of our time together, I want to give you just two implications from this, this text and these scriptures, just two thoughts about what God is doing when disaster and problems and crisis hit. And the first thing is this, that we can know that we know that we know, is that we can be confident that God is in control. We can be confident that God is in control. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says this, and we know and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We know. I love the fact that Paul doesn't say we hope, we wish, we pray, we're keeping our fingers crossed that maybe God can do something about this. Maybe God's involved. Paul says we know. Now watch this. This is important as far as this, this text is concerned. Who's the we? The we is not just anyone. Paul's not saying that God is working all things together for everybody. Paul is saying through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that God is working all things together, all things together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is great news. This means that if you have a relationship with God, he is fully invested in you. It means that if you love Jesus, that he is involved no matter what you're walking through today. He's involved when you're on the mountaintop and he's involved when you're walking through the valley. He's involved when the door of opportunity opens. He's involved when the door of opportunity shuts. He's involved and he's in control at all times. Paul says we can be confident about this. Man, imagine how different. Think about this for a moment. Imagine how different your life would be if you really believed this. Like you really believe this verse. Not that I'm just gonna casually quote this verse sometimes. Well, I, I know the Lord works all things together for the good of those who love him. That we casually say that, but I'm saying you wake up in the morning and you're facing fires and trials in your life. You're facing pain that you never saw coming. You've been rejected by people. Maybe there's been sickness in your family. Maybe there's been sickness in your own life, but you wake up in the morning and you know that you know that you know that my God is in control. I might not understand why I'm walking through what I'm walking through. And my life might be spinning out of control, but my God who sits high and lifted up on the throne of all thrones has not lost track of me, has not lost control of me, but he is working even when things seem like they're falling apart. Come on, clap your hands if you believe that today. He's in control. He's in control. You say, you don't know what I'm going through. I don't, but he does. And I'm not trying to minimize any amount of pain in here. In this room, there is pain that's unspeakable that people have walked through. And I, I, would, I would be so uh, sorrowful and down if I thought that I was minimizing in any way and communicating this people's pain. I don't know your pain. You don't know my pain. But God does, and he sees you, and he knows you. And if we don't see him right when we're walking through the valley, then we will not follow him right. He's in control. Who's saying this? Who's writing this? This is Paul. 
This is Paul, y'all. Paul went through some stuff. <laughs> Don't you love it when people have had like no experience and have no expertise in an area, but assume they're like the expert in what they're, what they're telling you and what they're doing? I think about people who've been married for like two weeks. God bless them. And you've been married for 20 years. And they come back from their honeymoon. And they got all the answers to your problems. Y'all ever known somebody like that? Somebody who's never gone to medical school, medical school a day in their life. But they know how to search on Google. My wife is the greatest doctor who's never gotten a degree before ever. She will diagnose anything in a heartbeat. And it's usually the worst case scenario. My woman, where is your faith? Paul had walked through some, through some things. This isn't somebody who grew up in a palace with a silver spoon in his mouth saying, hey, God's in control even when you're going through hard times. This is somebody who went through hard times. You know, God will use some of the misery in your life to be some of the ministry in your life. Some things right now you don't understand why you're walking through them and you're shaking your head and you're asking God why and he won't always tell us why. But you're saying, I don't know why I'm going through this. God, what you're doing, but I'm gonna trust you anyway. God, I'm gonna keep worshiping you. God, I'm gonna keep reading your word. I'm gonna keep coming to church. I'm gonna keep giving. I'm gonna keep serving. I'm gonna keep pressing in. I don't know why you're doing it. And then one day you will look back and the very thing that used to be a snare in your life, a trial in your life, has now become a testimony in your life. And God's using it. And this is why. Because he works all things together. Not just great things, but difficult things. I'm more than a conqueror, not just when my life is going the way I anticipated, but I'm more than a conqueror because Jesus Christ is the foundation of my life and I'm completely devoted to him. Paul's not saying all things that happens to us is good. He's not saying that everything that takes place in your life is good. God is not the author of chaos. He's not the author of confusion. He's not the author of wickedness or evil or sickness. But Paul is saying when those things come, don't think for a moment that the enemy has the upper hand. He does not. He has been defeated. He is underneath the feet of Jesus. That's some good news. Somebody can celebrate that right now. He's underneath the feet of Jesus. And then God is working. Some of you right now, you're, you're thinking about the situations and the complexity of your life and where you are and how you thought you would be in a different place by now. Maybe there's frustration. Maybe you feel like you're pushing against the wall and nothing's happening. I'm telling you, God is in control. You might not see the breakthrough yet. You might not see the victory yet, but I'm telling you, God is doing a work in you in order to do a work through you. That's who he is. He is that good. Sometimes we hear about people and we think, oh, somebody talks them up so much and we just think, oh, there's no way they're that good. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, oh, that's just the best thing. Like somebody meets somebody, oh, he's the best guy I've ever met. And some girl, she's saying this and you're thinking, there ain't no way he's that good. Nobody that good. Jesus is that good. He is that good. Second thing is this and we'll close. First thing, y'all getting something out of this? First thing is that, that we can be confident that God is in control. Second thing is this, it's very simple, that we can be confident that God has a plan. He's not just in control, he has a plan. And I want you to see his plan. It's, it's, it's very clear in the scripture. This isn't just, oh, this is his plan because I'm offering it, this is my opinion. This is exactly what the word says. This is his plan. Romans chapter eight, verse 29. For those God foreknew, he also predestined 
to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is God's plan. Everybody look at me for a moment. If you don't remember anything else today, remember this. God's plan for your life is not that we just walk in utmost perfect circumstances. That's not his plan. His plan is that we would be conformed to the image of his son, that we would look like, act like, talk like Jesus. And if our goal, if our goal is anything less than that, we need a new goal. Because our goal needs to be God's goal. Whatever God's goal is for my life, that needs to be my goal for my life. And God is about conforming us to the image of his son. And I know we love sermons and we love messages on, hey, God's going to break through and God's going to perform and God's going to send a miracle. We love all those things. But the thing God is most obsessed with is who you're becoming in Christ. He is consumed with your walk. He is consumed with what you represent. He is consumed on how you behave. Not that you're trying to create this behavioral modification that I'll be saved, but because you are saved, he's consumed that you'll be more and more like Jesus. God is not about crushing you, but he is about conforming you. That's what he is, and that's what he's doing. I'll end with this story. A couple of weeks ago, I was uh, putting my oldest son to bed. His name's Elijah, and... Elijah, he, he's a trip, man. I love this kid so much. He, he's one of those kids who shoots you straight. Like if you ask a question, you better be ready for an honest response. Anybody have anybody in your life like that? Be careful what you ask. And so we're laying, I'm putting him to bed and I'm talking to him and, and I don't know, I just, I just happened to ask him this question. I don't know why I asked him this, but I just said, Elijah, what you love about me, man? <laughs> I didn't know what he's going to say. Man, Dad, I love you because you're so rugged and strong and good-looking. I, I didn't know. But he, he thought for a moment. He says, I said, Elijah, what you, what you love about me? He said, Dad, I love everything about you. I know, right? Right? And I was doing the same thing. I was thinking in my mind, I will buy you anything you want. <laughs> You want to go to Disney World? We will mean you pack up right now. I want to tell the rest of the family. So I was feeling confident. So I asked him a second question. When you're on a roll, just stop with the first one. And I said, Elijah, you think I'm the, the best dad ever? He sat there, kind of made a face. I said, huh, no. <laughs> what just happened here? He said, no. And I said, well, what do, you, what do you mean, no? He said, well, I don't know, Dad. I mean, seems like some of those people in the Bible were probably the best dads ever. I know, right? But I didn't like his response, nevertheless. <laughs> he knows the Bible, but bad answer. You know, and, and he said, I don't know, I'm probably like, probably like Moses or Joseph or Daniel. I'm like, man, you, you've been learning your word. He started listening to these people. And, and later on, it dawned to him, on, on me that, that these people in the Bible, they did amazing things. I mean, they saw things that we dream to see. And, and God moved in their life. And God performed in their life. But I started thinking about people like, like Joseph. You know the story of Joseph. Joseph was forsaken by his brothers. He was framed by Potiphar's wife. 
and he was forgotten by the butler. But God used every one of those crises and seasons to get him to where he was taking him. He was doing the work. He was in control. He's not the author of pain and disaster, but he is the author of perfecting all things. And I thought about other people who, who faced hardships like Paul, like Moses, like David, like Esther, like Ruth, and the story goes on and on, and this is what we have to be careful with. We want the fruit of their life, but we don't want the pathway of their life. And God says, if you'll just trust me, if you'll just lean in on me, you might not see and understand what I'm doing, but I promise you, I'm doing a work. I'm moving mountains. I'm conforming you into the image of my son. And you will look back and see the hand of God in your life, not in some things. Listen to me, church, in all things. All things work together for the good of those who love him or called according to his purpose. All things, Paul, really all things? Yes, all things. When Paul was in prison, God was working. When Paul was out free, God was working. When Paul was going about casting out devils, God was working. When Paul was being beaten with rods, God was working. When you're going through hardships, God is working. When you're on the mountaintop, he is working. But you can understand one thing. He's working all things together for your good. That's how good our God is. Can you give him a shout of praise in this place today? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.